everyone. My name is Michelle and welcome to Romcom Weekly. Today, my friend Justin is back and we're talking about the movie My Sassy Girl. Hi, Justin. Hi. Thank you for doing this again. Of course. Always great to do it. So a few things about this movie. It was released in 2001. It's written and directed by Jaehyung Kwok, based off a book written by Ho Sik Kim. It stars Taehyun Cha and Jun Ji Hyun. And apologies if my Korean pronunciation is totally off. The IMDb.com summary is, A young man sees a drunk, cute woman standing too close to the tracks at a metro station in Seoul and pulls her back. She ends up getting him into trouble repeatedly, after that, starting on the train. It has an 8.0 on IMDb, and it made $32 million in Asia. Okay, Justin, so this is our second uh, sorry, our second foreign language film that we're talking about. So with that, what are you rating this movie on a scale from one to 10? Um, so I seem to be right in line with IMDb scores. I think last time with Amelie, which mm-hmm. was also a 20 year anniversary. Yes. I gave it an 8.3. So a little above the IMDb score. Wow. Okay. So strong feelings off the bat. Um, I'm coming in at a seven. That's not surprising. I, I fluctuated between going much lower and the nostalgia's sake and mm, raising mm-hmm. it. Yeah, uh, we'll definitely get into it. But the reason we're talking about this film is because we mentioned this movie on our Amelie podcast because we were talking about foreign language rom-coms and My Sassy Girl came up. So thus, here we are talking about it. Um, but what's your relationship with this movie? Um, I saw it when I was in college. I came across it randomly. So like you said, it came out in 2001. So I probably saw it like a year later, probably Mm 2002-ish. And I had no expectations going into it. I don't even think I had seen a Korean rom-com much or even a Korean movie before at that point. And just really unexpectedly laughed a lot and liked it. And I think my roommate at the time and I, we like passed it around to all our family and friends. Like, like, oh, you should watch this movie. It's really funny and easygoing. So I have very fond memories of it, which probably elevates my overall score as it does in the past with other movies we've done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, same with you. I think the reason I saw this movie was just because it had been recommended by so many friends. Uh, clearly, I wasn't seeing this in the theaters. I don't think this got a North American theatrical release. So I think the way I saw it was on DVD or something like that. But my brother and I used to watch this movie all the time. And I texted him, actually, I was like, oh, I'm talking about my sassy girl. And he, in all caps, was like, best movie, so good. So I think maybe you should have done this with him. (laughs) Do you want to just stop this right now? (laughs) We Um, do a (laughs) three-way. We could have. We could have. You're right. Um, Didn't even think to talk to him about the movie. I was already halfway, like, watching the movie. Yeah, it's, uh, I really liked it all those years ago. You know, admittedly, this movie hits quite a bit differently now for me. Yeah, it's it's interesting that this movie was so successful that I think it was just, like, word of mouth that kind of, I don't know, spread the movie. Well, it was, uh, like, really successful in Korea. So yes, probably just, you know, gets passed through that. Exactly. That I actually mentioned this movie... My close friend is engaged to a Korean woman, and I mentioned this movie. I was like, oh, maybe you should watch this Korean film. And she's like, that movie is so old, you don't need to watch that. <laughs> um, wait, you mean back then? No, I literally this past weekend, oh. I was, he was like, oh, what are some like Korean movies that like you guys like? And I was like, well, there's only one classic one. I just watched it. 
yeah, yeah, like, yeah. oh you might like it and she's like oh that's an old movie he doesn't need to watch that <laughs> <laughs> i mean 20 years ago at this point is a pretty old movie and while i was watching it it didn't feel that old to be honest with you because i think we're kind of in this fantasy world so you don't really or i didn't really notice a lot of difference in terms of the time Mm-hmm. But it was really, really fun, I guess, actually, to to kind of rewatch this movie. I forgot a lot of bits and pieces of it. Have you actually seen the American version? I forget if I asked you this uh, when we talked about Amelie. I feel like I have, and I feel like I purposely went to watch it. Mm. But I have no recollection of the movie. So the American version came out in 2008. It stars Jesse Bradford and Alicia Cuthbert. Uh, I have not seen that movie. And I, to be honest with you, don't know if I want to see it. Maybe I should? Yeah, well, you do have rom-com podcasts. I do have a rom-com <laughs> podcast. But I feel like this movie is so good, like the original version. So it's like, well, nothing will really live up to this one. But if, Yeah, if I would have no reason... expectations of it being better. But right, right. Just to watch it, to watch it, to see. If the American version is somehow free and available i i guess i'll definitely give it a watch um what are some things you like about this movie um just how funny it is it's actually just really amusing there's a lot of small details that are in your face kind of humor but it's just really funny incidents there's just like very happenstance uh, events series of events that happen that are Mm -hmm. just like so random but also could be believable for the most part I don't know, just like the ridiculousness of it is, um, I don't know, just laugh out loud. Yeah, I think the ridiculousness of the movie definitely adds like a a certain charm to it. Mm -hmm. Similar to you, I watched this movie with zero expectations back 20 years ago or, you know, 19 years ago. But I laughed a lot upon this rewatch as well. I think it's quite original. There's nothing that kind of comes close to it. Maybe Amelie, actually, because there are some fantasy elements and daydreaming moments and scenes that actually play out so i found that kind of to be parallel to our previous conversation in amelie Mm -hmm. but for me i think i really liked this and you know i actually don't watch this is the only form of korean entertainment that i've watched i don't watch korean dramas i don't listen to k-pop and i i I don't know so this is my only kind of touch point to korean entertainment i guess which is Mm -hmm. a 20 year old movie so that said i don't really know how a lot of women are depicted in those kinds of film and and media. But in this movie, the woman is the sassy girl, right? Like she's kind of brashy and bossy and she's maybe kind of the opposite of what a lot of stereotypes of an Asian woman are. Whereas the man is the hopeless romantic. He's kind of the softer one and is really trying to make her happy. I like that. Yeah, I guess this is definitely a different perspective from the traditional rom-com. It is interesting that she doesn't actually have a name in this movie, right? She's just like, girl. She's girl, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, I never really noticed actually until this viewing. Yeah, on IMDb, um, she's credited as the girl. She doesn't have a name, a character name, which is an interesting intentional choice. But obviously, the the thing that I think makes this movie is just the chemistry between the two lead actors. They're so good. And again, I don't watch Korean TV or movies, so I haven't seen them in anything else. But they're just so playful. Their expressions are just so funny. Oh, so good. So, the guy, I think yeah. the guy's expressions are so spot on. 
He's uh, so animated and I I've read some things where a lot of people really love the girl, but I actually think the guy whose name I believe and I hope I'm not mispronouncing his character is um Kyunwoo. Does that sound right? That sounds right. I admittedly am just gonna say the guy sure. for this entire podcast. I think that's fair. Maybe that's that's good that we we don't mess up the names. We just say the guy and the girl. But the guy, yeah, he he really kind of made the movie for me. Yeah, I totally agree. Um I had heard a lot of people because the girl does have to carry a lot of legwork because she's very could very easily be unlikable. Mm-hmm. She is pretty abusive, <laughs> which yes. we can bring up. Yes, talk sure we'll talk about later. But um, you know she's like you said, sassy and bossy and all these things that on first glance you'd be like, I do not like this woman, and I can't imagine why anyone want to be with this woman, at least from my perspective. Mm-hmm. But she still comes across throughout the movie and then as charming and overall likable but that being said i still the guy is just uh, i think he carries the movie just how hilarious his expressions are and yes his reactions his reactions totally uh it's hard to explain and articulate but it's really just like the reaction shots are, are great his shocked faces his surprised faces there's yeah, some his, scenes where he's just like laughing humor. yes yes his physical humor really just sells the movie for me I debated on this next point if this was something that I liked or didn't like, but I'm putting it in this category of I like. It's a little bit of a roller coaster of feelings and emotions. And I think maybe that's why this movie was so successful. There's some maybe forms of realism in the sense that, you know, the girl, obviously, she she's struggling a little bit, right? She's sad. She's had this terrible heartbreak. She doesn't know how to communicate it. She's unable to be vulnerable. It makes you feel a lot of feelings. Um, at the same time, the girl is such a bully. You're not sure whether you're rooting for her, but then there are moments where she's incredibly sweet and there are a lot of heartwarming moments. And then on the flip, you're also like, this behavior is terrible. So for me, I was like up and down watching this movie, but I think that's why this movie kind of grabs you. Yeah, I totally, I think it's definitely like an up and down reaction to her just because, yeah, she is quite violent and bossy and demanding. I think when you think about her whole motivation in terms of the context, like of their relationship with a guy and the girl, like was she leading him on this whole time? They're obviously not just friends. Mm -hmm. She even literally says, you only just called me your friend. And he says it, he refers to their relationship as they dated or they broke up. Mm. But then they also kind of touch upon that she's just a friend. I don't know. It was a little... (laughs) a little bit unbelievable in the sense like why does he want to why does he have such a desire to like be this um I don't know. doting yeah this like thinks like he can save her like who is he to like be like oh I'm, I'm gonna heal her yeah especially like what incentive does he has other than he says like she's his type like she's terrible to him especially <laughs> when she first when they first meet yep and um even from the first moment where he uh, brings her to the motel because you know she's wasted and people think he's her boyfriend Mm -hmm. that was interesting to see like that public shaming culture and how that motivated him to start the whole movie yeah uh similar to that or maybe i don't know if you're alluding to this but for me i I kept wondering like there's so many cultural things obviously right this is a, a korean film made in korea or south korea Uh, with Korean stars, and I wondered if a lot of those nuances translated to the American audience, which is why I'm shocked that there's a My Sassy Girl for American audiences. And I don't know. I I, There's a lot of 
nuances i feel that you and i maybe understand a little bit more because we are asian american like there's a lot of um filial piety i feel like is a little bit mentioned here you know she wants to please her parents she's dating the guy even though her parents don't want her to date him <laughs> like heavy drinking i actually googled this i was like do koreans drink a lot and mm, that's something that's definitely in my personal experience <laughs> yeah it's true uh, apparently, according to Google, the average Korean takes, like I think it was like 13 shots a week or something of mm. liquor, which is quite high. Yeah, I just wondered a lot. I found myself wondering and being distracted by how does this sit with American audiences? And, you know, we can pivot, I guess, a little bit to what we don't like about this movie. And you mentioned this already, is that the girl is very abusive she is physically emotionally abusive to the guy granted as you mentioned her motivations are not to be maliciously hurtful to him i think she's coming from a place of heartbreak yeah but the manipulation of the relationship is just really toxic oh it's it's definitely (laughs) so how did you kind of reconcile that or did you reconcile that yeah it was interesting coming from it from a like a more modern lens because i think So the version that you told me about, which was online, Mm -hmm. was, I feel like, had more scenes in it than the version I'd seen in the past. Yes. So you and I, we watch on YouTube, which is free right now. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's a scene early on. So she is like punching and slapping him after she bails him out one of the first times he's in jail because he's trying to get back at her. Mm -hmm. And literally he has bruises and is like battered and his mouth was clearly like all bleeding and whatnot. And I don't remember that Mm. because I think they, they showed her like hitting him angrily, but like not to the point of like actually having bruises and, and all sorts of lacerations on his face. Right. I don't know. It was just really extreme to me. It was really jarring. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are a few scenes actually where I think she hits him and he's bleeding. Uh, there's like that one scene on the metro or on the subway where they're watching people cross the line of lipstick. Oh, that's and... my favorite scene. Oh, is it? Yeah. That is a really funny scene, but I couldn't. It's so recon- unexpected. <laughs> it is very unexpected. Um, but yeah, I couldn't reconcile the fact that she's hitting him so hard to the point where he's bleeding. He had, I think, like a nosebleed or something. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, I, obviously, I think in the context of the times and of this movie, it was meant to be funny. Ha ha. But I, uh, yeah, I, I, I was like, this is, this is a little bit hard to watch. Not going to lie. Yeah, definitely. The hitting scenes were more extreme versions of whatever I had seen in the past. Cause I've seen versions where she hits him and it still is like abusive, but no like blood or bruising <laughs> to my recollection. Yeah. So I was just like, Whoa. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's quite extreme, quite extreme. Um, What are some things you don't like about this movie? Um, I guess that, that's Mm -hmm. pretty extreme. I can see why if whatever version or final cut that we saw didn't include that, probably because it's a little, you're a little more sympathetic (laughs) towards her or less because of the less violence. There are some scenes that do feel a little disjointed Mm. um, over the top. I mean, the whole movie to an extent, some of it can feel over the top, but there are scenes here and there like that just feel like why did they include like they dragged out this whole <laughs> yes. ridiculousness like that scene it's her birthday and he takes her to the park and there's the mm. abandoned soldier which they foreshadow actually in the sh- earlier on in the movie but it's just like 
so random mm-hmm. it it's is funny scene. but it's a long scene it yeah. almost feels like it kind of breaks up the flow for me yeah i agree with you i think this movie is way too long <laughs> so the cut that we watched was uh, i think two hours and 15 minutes which is mm-hmm. what's available on youtube right now i think the theatrical release was still around two hours but i'll be honest with you there were some times where i was like i'm a little bored which mm-hmm. I don't like to say um, because it is a really entertaining film, but there were just some moments where I was like, this doesn't need to be in here to the point where I actually didn't need all those moments where they're acting out her, her screenplays. <sighs> I I mean, I know that adds a lot of like fantasy to the movie, but mm-hmm. for me it was like, it took me out of the plot of the actual movie. If that makes sense. I can, I can totally see that. I do think they're still funny in themselves. Just like so simple, like slapstick, like over the top humor. That's just like, I don't know, just still makes you laugh. I, I agree with you, but I even think like this act, I forget which scene it was like a fight scene. I think she was like a martial artist in one of her screenplays. And I was just like, this is still going. She's still fighting. Like it felt like it was a 10 minute scene when Mm. it probably was just three minutes, but I was just like, didn't need to be so long in my opinion. Mm. So you feel like they could have cut that up or not shown that. Yeah. Maybe just like cut it a little shorter, but the scene in the park that you mentioned very long, I, I think it was just to have the girl be able to say like if you love her let her go like it was just trying Mm -hmm. to she was trying to talk to herself but yeah that was a very long lead up to that moment well there's a little bit of foreshadowing there too because it's in a way he has to do that Mm -hmm. yeah it was definitely a long drawn out scene yeah it just like kept going you're like oh okay haha but then this is like another 10 minutes yeah it's another 10 minutes it's like you're laughing and then you're like oh wait is this guy actually going to like hurt himself this soldier again with the highs and the lows like the it just like didn't totally get the tone i think in certain scenes but because i had seen this movie i I remember how it played out but sitting down to actually watch it you're like oh wow this this is a lot a lot's happening yeah i agree i think it could have been cut down or cut out even yeah one other specific thing i didn't like about this movie was the guy i think he's such a hopeless romantic but i think to a degree where he's just following random women down the street and like will leave i don't know having lunch with his friends and like he sees a pretty girl walking outside the restaurant and he'll just go and chase her and i'm like yikes no you can't i mean not that you can't but that's that's not okay I just noticed that because he does it multiple times, he just like will stop walking and like check out a woman from behind or... But it's her every time, right? Uh, Is it every time? I think so. I think it's her every time. Okay. Well, then if that's the case, then okay, fine. He doesn't know that, but it turns out to right, be her right. multiple times. Yeah. I still, I don't know. Maybe it's just trying to say that they're destined for each other, but mm-hmm. still a little weird. Weird vibes. Agree. Okay. So let's talk some themes here. What did you take away, or if any, from this movie? Um, So I don't know if this is really a theme, but I thought about the concept of, um, in general, of, I guess, rom-coms it brings up, but like chivalry versus like sexism. Okay. Because there's a whole, there's like a very well-known scene, I guess, towards the end where she's on a blind date with another guy and she asks him to come to the date. Mm Mm-hmm. And while she's in the bathroom, or he tells her, like, you need to let go of your past. I figured there's like a death in your past, basically, of your ex-boyfriend. And that's why you're being so sorrowful. And he tells the guy she's on a blind date with, here are 10 rules you should know about her. Like, pretend like 
it hurts when it doesn't and, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's like, she also says, you should be obedient. And he tells her in person, you should be obedient to man because mm -hmm. man likes something more feminine. Don't drink a lot. Don't do this. You should do this. Be more like a lady or something like mm -hmm. that. And he's doing it because he's supposed to be portrayed as this like very caring, sensitive man. But, you know, in today's lens, it's like, you know, a little iffy. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the movie as a whole in that sense, different perspective on a lot of the scenes and the relationship between mm -hmm. them too. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, let's break this scene down a little <laughs> bit if we can, because yeah, that's actually a WTF moment. Just the scene in and of itself about how the guy comes to this date. Like what? Why, why did she <laughs> ask him to join her on this date with the man that her mom wants her to date? That was weird. So that's one thing. And yeah, I remember listening to that speech and being like, kind of puzzled also just because yeah, I mean, in today's age, you can't really actually tell someone like be obedient, be feminine, don't do this, don't do that. So I think that's very cultural too, because in Korean right. culture, there's a very much like the man and, and if you're older than someone and how you're supposed to pour drinks for people, etc. Mm -hmm. um, that definitely ties in. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it was stuff like that where I, I, as I was mentioning earlier, like I found a little bit distracting, just wondering how a lot of people who aren't Korean, how are they digesting this narrative, right? So yeah, I don't know. I don't think I can unpack all of that. But yeah, that's a really interesting takeaway. Well, even just that's just a modern thing, like um, doing things for your significant other or mm -hmm. opening doors, those things is a, should a man do certain things or should female be certain way, that kind of thing. You know, um, when I was in college, I was dating someone and he would open doors for me. And I was like, I don't think I like you opening doors for me. <laughs> I think in a lot of fairy tales, we always see chivalry and the definition of that is a man opening doors for you. And I was like, I can open my own door. I'm okay with doing that. I felt like it was a little condescending. And mm -hmm. I think at that time in my life, I was like trying to take a stand. Like, this is not how, you know, you'll get me to like you is by opening doors for me. So yeah, I, I was very like vocal about him not opening doors for me for whatever reason. And now, I mean, Frank is like, I, I joke with Frank actually that he is not a very chivalrous guy. Uh, he has never once like proactively opened the door for me. At least when we were dating, he wasn't incredibly chivalrous. And I teased him a lot about it. But I maybe like that about him is that he's not incredibly chivalrous, which sounds really <laughs> Sorry, I weird. apologize, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he doesn't do certain behaviors because it's a woman, right? I think he does it no matter who it is on the receiving end. Like if you were walking through a door, he would hold the door for you. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a woman that he would hold the door for me. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I, I yeah. think at least that's, that's Frank specifically, but I think that there is, yeah, it's an interesting concept, right? Like I think it depends on the person obviously and the, the woman and the man, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's, uh, and we evolve. I, I think I've changed my opinion on it, but I've also just not really thought about it as much. Mm -hmm. So yeah, interesting, interesting call out there. What are your thoughts on that? Do you open doors for women? Um, it depends. I, yeah. I, I have at times, mm -hmm. um, not always, but, um, I'll, I mean, I'll open the door for anyone. Like if someone's like, right. behind me, obviously, or, or whatnot, 
But um, I was just thinking this past weekend, I opened the door for someone while they were getting in the car and it was a woman uh-huh. and I did it because they had like a long dress and it was like in the way, you know, it gets caught in the door. I don't know. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that chivalrous? Is that sexist? <laughs> did I, I wonder mm-hmm. if they were like, I can open my own door, but, right. you know. I think it depends. Yeah, again, it depends. I think the context is key. I think if she was struggling, then obviously it wouldn't have mattered if you were a man or a woman helping her. Mm -hmm. And I think like maybe at the beginning of a relationship, everyone wants to be the best version of themselves. I also dated a guy who, um, when we were walking down city streets, he would actually walk on the outside of me in the sense that he would always walk on the side of the street. Um, mm-hmm. so that I'd be on the inside. And I, he, he, like, he made the motion. He was like, walk on this side of me. And I was like, what is, what, why, what does this mean? <laughs> I forget the words he used, but he was like, oh, I'm trying to be chivalrous. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't even catch on. I was like, oh, okay. So I've had it, I've had it both ways. I've had it where people have called me out on it and be like, aren't you going to walk on the outside? Mm. And that's always interesting because it is a tough kind of thing because you're like well am I being sexist like this person's a strong woman like they're fully capable they'll Mm -hmm. be fine but like should I because it's a gesture right I guess it is dependent on the person and what their own values are yeah it's hard it's hard to say though because you hear things like chivalry is dead and that's in (laughs) reference to like very traditional class and sex kind of Hmm. hierarchy totally yeah but I do think that there are very fierce independent women out there who maybe would like their doors opened for them or Mm -hmm. would like the man to be walking on the outside. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, there's that too. So think context and just, yeah, the individual preference, I guess. Yeah. So I think that's the important thing, I guess, like you're saying to take away is it should be up to the preference of your partner Mm -hmm. and whatnot, rather than in this movie, the way we brought this up is he's telling her you should do this. This is the way you should be. He's telling her how to be more feminine other than her choosing to be something. Yeah, I think it's also very generational. I mean, I'm calling out my mom on this podcast right now, but yeah, growing up, she'd be like... Frank, your mom. (laughs) I'm sorry to the entire Shu family. (laughs) Um, But I don't know. Maybe there are other Asian American women who had similar moms like mine. It was like... Because she was raised to be like, you know, a more dutiful wife. And so I think sometimes her messaging to me is like, yeah, make sure you do this. Don't do that. And I, I, I take in what she says, but do I listen to her? No, because, you know, I'm going to be who I'm going to be. But I also understand that this is how she was raised. So mm-hmm. this is what she thinks that she's passing on to me. And, you know, sometimes she's not wrong, but it's up to me to determine how to use those words of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same, same with my, my parents. Oh, yeah. I mean, they'll they will say stuff that's like someone that can be a good wife and mother. And I was like, what does that mean to you? Yeah, exactly. And it's exactly what you're saying. It's that, that cultural difference or that generational difference more mm-hmm. so of like what a man's role and a female's role should be yep. to some extent. Yeah. That's, uh, I feel like I could talk about this all day long. Yeah. Uh, just that one topic. That's a really, really good point. That reminds me of another, I guess, thematic thing that I had thought about mm-hmm. for this movie, which is uh, doing something for yourself versus for someone else. So mm. a lot of the actions in this movie that he's, the guy is doing is for her benefit mostly. Like, I don't really know what he's getting out of it other than he, I guess he ends up liking her, but he kind of throughout the movie, every single action, even from when they separate and he writes these stories about her to kind of 
for her and then he submits it to the movie studio for her that tree that they planted their time capsule under he like replanted it mainly for her so she couldn't do you know so every step of the way is him being uh kind of like you said hopeless romantic i guess not so hopeless it worked out for him (laughs) yeah hmm that is interesting too yeah i mean that's his entire character right he's doing all these things for her but why even before he realizes he likes her, he's still doing these things for her. Uh, he's just very kind-hearted, helping a drunk girl on the train station. Like, he's so wholesome, which is not really something that I feel would happen today. But that's an interesting point as well. What about you? Did you have other themes, actual themes? Um, Not... I, I actually, I really like your themes. Mine were a little bit more generic, like destiny, because I feel like they felt like yeah. they were destined for each other, you know, like they, yeah, they planted cool. their time capsule and they had so many like sliding doors moments to use another rom-com reference. Hmm. They miss each other on the train and one scene. Yeah, just destiny. And then at the end, they're fated to be together, I guess. Mm-hmm. He turns out to be the guy that he was supposed to, they were supposed to meet all yes, along. Exactly. And the other theme or concept that I, I got was letting go is hard. You know, that one scene we were just talking about at the park where she's trying to tell the soldier to like, let go. If you love her, let go. And I think she's ultimately telling herself, just let go. But she, her story arc is that she just cannot let go, which is why she treats the guy the way she does and has him basically like mimic the the boyfriend that passed away which is obviously incredibly extreme and i think she even says oh he looked like him which is why she noticed him yeah well they're related right yeah they're cousins so yeah letting go is incredibly hard and ultimately neither of them were able to let go right so it's true yeah that's that's all i got there no i those were those were uh good calls i Totally agree. And yeah. those make more sense, I feel like. <laughs> no, yours made a lot of sense. I really, you got me thinking about the chivalry versus sexism. This is a topic that I've talked about uh, with people in my life. I bet it comes up on rom-com weekly all the time. And actually, I don't think it has. Not oh. not to this degree. But yeah, I appreciate that. Um, all right, so let's talk favorite scene. You mentioned your favorite scene was the, where they're slapping each other on the train. Well, my the favorite part of my scene isn't, the slapping oh, okay. aspect of it <laughs> but um for i guess spoiler for people that haven't seen it but it's a um, just a funny scene that happens where there's a kid that draws lipstick across the subway train and if a person walks across it with their left foot the girl gets to hit the boy and if they walk across it with their left foot then the guy gets to hit the girl yeah and it's supposed to be a playful thing at first but um anyway <laughs> Various people come across and like each person wins one and then an entire like army <laughs> platoon comes out <laughs> across the door opens and he they're marching so it's left right left right and he calculates and basically they will hit and he should win they all should cross with their left foot or their right foot and right before they get to the line he's so excited because he's like oh I'm gonna get to hit her like 15 people in a row and <laughs> They do a hop step. Um, the first guy's like skip or something, and they all do a hop step, and they repeat the same foot, so it switches the foot. So instead, the girl wins for all fifteen people, and uh, it was just so well, so well executed. Mm-hmm. I feel like in such a simple scene. And then right after that, um, a guy with one leg 
and a crutch <laughs> shows up. So it's like you think the scene is over, and then they just add like a little bit of extra. Yeah, they just pile it on. Yeah, I, I remember laughing a lot, and I, I definitely laughed I had an, in anticipation for this scene. What a great scene. I feel like what a genius idea. If you're bored sitting on the subway, someone should just draw a, a line or come up with an invisible line and just kind of play this out. I think, it, I mean, not hitting each other, uh, but maybe something else in terms of punishment. That was a great scene. That was really funny. I, I kind of uh, forgot that scene, to be honest with you. What about you? What are your favorites? My absolute favorite scene is when the guy is playing squash. Is that is it squash or like wall ball or something? Yeah, is it I think squash? It's squash. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Justin, I couldn't stop laughing because <laughs> he just cannot hit the ball. Every time he hits the ball, it hits his face, mm-hmm. and it just kept going. Like the bit, I guess my complaint earlier about scenes lasting a little bit too long. Like this was the great moment where it was perfectly long. Mm-hmm. He kept going at it, kept going, and his reactions again, the physical comedy. Oh, his- so good so good and it looks so real like was he really getting himself yeah. hit in the face with the those rubber balls are hard oh yeah so yeah i i like snorted with laughter i couldn't stop it is a good scene and they bring it back later when he's like practicing on his yes. own and it still still hits him in the face <laughs> and then he slowly but surely gets better but i don't know why the physical comedy bit got me yeah they do a lot there's a lot of scenes like that that i feel like they just, it's just like it could totally be cut out. It's not essential to the, to the movie or anything, but they just add this humor in the way of showing and building the character. Um, mm-hmm. Another one I like is he gets home late at the night after the first time he meets the girl. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't go home. He stays in that motel. And he's like, whenever I come home, whenever my mom sees me, she hits me with whatever <laughs> object she has in hand. And every time he climbs over, you see she has like a club in her hand or yes. like a cucumber or like one time he climbs over and she has like like a butcher knife. Yes. And he like runs away and then he climbs, he runs over and she chases him and then he just climbs back over yes. the wall and runs inside. <laughs> it's just like such a short little scene, but it's just like the execution of just like physicality of it is, mm-hmm. is spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the small moments that really kind of just add up to be really great. Uh, yeah, the squash scene was the only scene I wrote down that okay. really, really got me. I had I have one more that I wrote Please. down, which is actually something that you wish they cut, which is it's oh. one of the it's one of the scenes for her her movie, mm-hmm. you know, one of her movie playout scenes. It's the the martial arts one. I think they're samurais or something like that. Yes. And she gets the wanted poster and they're doing the face off <laughs> and they're about to fight. And she like looks at the wanted poster and it flies out of her hand. And it's so dumb. But it hits him in the face, right on his face, and yes. it looks exactly like his face. And I just, I don't know, it was just like so unexpected, and those scenes do drag a little bit, and you're like, this is so random, why do they have this scene? But they mm-hmm. had just like little ridiculous moments in the movie, in every single one of her movie ideas, that's just like made me laugh or chuckle out loud, and that was the one that I really remembered. Mm. Yeah, I think that might have been the one where I was like, Okay. let's move this along (laughs) but to bring it back there's a reason why she says that she likes the future right or the past Mm -hmm. yeah he the guy always asks her like why why is someone always from the future or someone from the past and she has this line where she's like i think i live in the past and i was like oh that's really profound like she's self-aware enough to realize like she's not ready to move on and let go Mm -hmm. but yeah that that kind of tied it together for me yeah, well, that ties with your theme, like mm-hmm. the destiny thing. And I'm sure you 
heard about this, but I and saw it. But there's that whole scene where I guess theory that that old man under the tree towards the end is the guy from the future. Do you know this? No. Tell me more. So you know where they bury the time capsule, mm-hmm. right? So she doesn't show up. They're supposed to meet. They bury a time capsule and they're supposed to show up in two years and, or one year and meet. And she doesn't show up. And then she finally shows up a year after that, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's an old man sitting under the tree when she gets it. Which at first you're like, is that him? Did they just mm-hmm. time fast forward like 50 years or something? And he tells her he read the letters. And then he tells her about how the tree was struck by lightning and he replanted the tree so that it would look the same because otherwise this girl will show up one day and will be sad because it will be different. It's implied that it was the main guy that had done that. And she's looking and she reads the letter and she's looking out under the tree. She's looking out towards the horizon and you literally see a spaceship fly away on the screen. There's literally a little like UFO that you see. I did not catch this at all. The whole thing with that is that that was supposed to be like a little, it's like obvious enough where like it's not hard to see but if you're not I guess if you're not looking for it you wouldn't notice but um, there's a theory that's basically like oh that's that's him from the future going back and talking to her and so it really is him from the future interesting um this is the first I've heard of this and I'm trying to digest this you usually do your research better I do um (laughs) I clearly did not do that for this movie but that tracks. I mean, I'm not surprised. I definitely have never seen a spaceship, nor was I ever looking for one. I think it's one of those things like it doesn't necessarily have to mean that. But if you notice it, it's like a little nugget and like mm-hmm. a fun call out. That's a little yeah. ridiculous. And I mean, it tracks because, right, like what we're talking about, past and future selves. And mm-hmm. all right, if I ever watch this movie again, I'm definitely going to keep an eye you out for just, that you can just skip right to it on youtube i think i will i'm not yeah. gonna sit through another two hours and 15 minutes interesting okay i did not catch that okay so let's move along to wtf moments so plot holes and the most unrealistic moments i have a bunch of random things right yes down. please uh, go ahead i have in disarray so we've kind of touched upon this but the abusiveness was kind of like i didn't realize how extreme it was probably yes. because the whatever version I had seen in the past cut all that stuff for a good reason. Mm-hmm. That was a little bit of WTF when he's like bleeding and literally has these giant bruises and like lacerations and all such. Yep, yep. There's little stuff that doesn't make sense, like the entire motel scene. Like who would do that? Like carry her this stranger to a motel mm-hmm. and like pay for the motel and then decide to take a shower, which is how he ends up in jail. Yes. He picks up the phone, which is how her fr- they find out he's there or something. Yeah, or, don't pick up the like, phone. Why, why would he do that? He's naked. Like, just get dressed first. And, I don't know. Yeah. It's just like a series of like, what? Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then she calls, she finds out who he is and calls him. And then he goes and meets her again. Yeah. And then he pays for everything. It's like, why would you do that again? Yeah. Didn't you learn already? Yeah. Why, who would do that? Um, so that was a little bit that whole that whole deal. Mm-hmm. Fair. Do you want me to just kind of go through my yeah, list? Yeah, I'm here for okay. it. Okay. Kind of the whole idea that she's just like leading him on the whole time. Like, are they friends? Are they dating? Mm. Um, my impression after watching this time is they were definitely dating and they were both aware that they were dating, but they just so, raise it. I agree with you. It is a really confusing, but I do want to play devil's advocate for a second because I also think that this might be a cultural thing where a lot of people... I think a lot of Asian people, they uh, say like, oh, they're just my friend. 
mm. to like their parents, which they do, right? Like they, they, mm-hmm. there's a few scenes where they say to the parents that they're just friends. It's like, we're clearly boyfriend, girlfriend. And yet my parents will call my boyfriend, my friend. Like they just mm-hmm. won't use that word boyfriend mm-hmm. until like you're married, which mm-hmm. then they're no longer your boyfriend, right? They're your husband or your girlfriend. But for me, I think, there was a fleeting thought. I was like, oh, maybe this is just a cultural thing where they don't assign labels because, uh, I don't know, fear of commitment or whatever, or impropriety because, I don't know, they're not approved by the parents or whatever. That that could totally be the fact. But also there are scenes like that extended military scene where they're taken hostage. He says, oh, she's just my friend. And mm. later she gets pissed at him. She's yeah. like, oh, I'm just your friend. That's all I am. And he was like, no, I was just saying that to him to get up. But there's like kind of ambiguity. But then Mm -hmm. that leads me to like, so after all this, they go on their, they're at their hundredth day of dating or something like that. Mm -hmm. And she Mm -hmm. asks him to wear a mask or not. She didn't ask him to wear a mask, but that was interesting because he was very like normalized with COVID and all. Yes. But he, she asked him to, to bring a rose to him on their hundredth day of or date or whatever. And he does that whole, he makes a disguise, goes in, and it's like during the class lecture where the entire <laughs> lecture room is full. And then there's just a grand piano and then right. she plays out this whatever his fantasy of like what he thinks the perfect woman is. And they re they enact this thing and it relates to something that she had done it with her ex that passed. But it was just like when you think about all the details or maybe not even just, just the ridiculousness of it, like what, like mm-hmm. she just did that during her class, like in the middle of lecture and there's right. a, you know, yeah. with like 200 people. Like how, how, how is <laughs> the all professor? Yeah. It's like what's how going she- on? <laughs> yeah. So it was a little bit of like, don't overthink it kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Later on, um, after she goes on the blind date and she asks him to come which we've kind of mentioned it's its own little WTF moment. Mm -hmm. But um, she goes and runs after him. And then she like goes into the subway control room and they just let her (laughs) just like take over the control room and hang out. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah. And then that leads to, they start dating for a little bit of den. And it's been obviously over a hundred days because the whole aforementioned scene happened, but they end up breaking up because he ends up at her house a couple times and then he overhears the parents basically not approving of him Mm -hmm. but he's about to kiss her one of those times in the rain Mm -hmm. so it's been like a year Mm. and it is implied they've never even kissed or been romantic I guess and that I guess brings back your point is that's like a cultural thing or a Mm -hmm. time period you know like that generation or what that just is what it is Right. But that kind of made me put up an eyebrow with, wait, they haven't even, they've been dating clearly and doing all these romantic things, but they haven't even kissed so much mm-hmm. as anything else. Yep. Yeah. I I definitely noticed that as well. Um, so one of the questions that we talk about is the ending, right? And I think this movie ends with them holding hands. And I think that is the most physical contact they have in the entire movie and in their entire relationship from what we see. It doesn't like... The relationship to me never feels like sexual, like physical attraction. It's just mm-hmm. kind of like a a cosmic, we're in the right place, right time kind of thing. Yeah, that kiss was the only thing, that almost kiss, I guess, 
is the only sign of physical affection. And I think that may be a cultural thing. Again, I don't know. I don't know enough about Korean movies to talk mm-hmm. about that, but I definitely noticed that as well. Yeah, because in the American version, they definitely are kissing, right? I, I'm assuming <laughs> we've so. Never, we've never seen it, but it happened. 100%. I'm going to assume so. Yes, yes, absolutely. So one of the WTF moments I have is, we've mm-hmm. talked about this scene a little bit, um, where they plant the letters under the tree, their time capsule, I guess this is a scene before that is that go to the tree for the first time and the girl's like, Hey, do you think you can hear me from that other mountaintop? And he's like, maybe she's like, I guess we'll find out. Go over there. (laughs) I have that actually in my notes in bold. I forgot to say it. Um, (laughs) What? WTF on this? Because he just saunters over. And it's not a close mountain. It's far. It's, that's going to take like a day. A day. At, yeah. Yes, at least half a day. Like he has to climb down the current mountain. He has to walk down the valley, through the valley, and then up the next mountain. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> I don't, I never noticed that before. And like you and I, we've gone hiking together. And that was like, I think those hikes were already a half day's worth of adventures. Yeah. So yeah, this was, I never caught that before, but watching it now, I'm like, there's no way. It takes yeah, hours. Definitely. That's a good point. <laughs> That was actually like one of the biggest WTF moments yeah. for me. And the fact that he's just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, sure. they joke about it. He's like, what? But yes. <laughs> he totally does it. Oh, boy. Uh, and then uh, you mentioned this earlier, how years later, the tree gets hit by lightning and he replants a tree. A giant tree. A giant. Not, not, not a small tree. <laughs> Can you plant a mature tree like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that written down too, but <laughs> it's yeah, so outrageous. Of ridiculousness. Yeah, those were my biggest, biggest ones, but it was fun. I, I did try to suspend some disbelief, just yeah, I mean, the sheer just... fact of this one, but I couldn't, I couldn't miss those two for some reason. I think, I mean, I, I don't think the writers of the movie don't know that it's ridiculous. I think that's mm. part of the humor in it, that it's just like so ridiculous. Like right. what they went all the way to that other mountain. And there's a bunch of those scenes that are just, um, so would never outrageous. happen. Yeah. But they're just so outrageous, but that's what makes them funny. I think that's probably part of it. Yeah, for sure. So I talked a little bit about the ending, um, but what are your thoughts? Are you happy with this one? Yeah, it's the feel good. And it's the exact ending you want. To happen. Mm. I mean, it's not the expected ending. Like, I don't know the first viewing. You predict that that's what's going to happen. Right. But they do it in a clever way. And I definitely was like, oh, I'm, I'm glad that that's, they found each other. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I was trying to remember the first time I saw this movie and if it was like a huge shock and reveal. And I think it was. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, of course. You're instantly shocked. And then you're like, oh, but they had to end up back together again somehow. And they tie, they tie everything together, like all the little mentions of visiting his aunt and mm-hmm. not, or not visiting his aunt, which was weird in itself because right. he went all the way to where his aunt lives and never visited her. Like, why did he go out there in the first place? But Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a, <laughs> yep, that's a good point. But uh, yeah, so I mentioned it's a very chaste ending. Again, they just hold hands. But rewatching this time, I had forgotten that she had gone to London and that he was actually oh, yeah. going to follow her to London. And that made it a little bit more heartwarming. Did he know she was in London? Like, because was that referenced at another point in time? I don't think that was referenced, but my assumption was that he knew that she was in London. Otherwise, okay. why would he go to London? Right. That makes sense. Yeah. 
in terms of likability and relatability, what are your thoughts on this one for the characters? Um, likability, I think overall high. We kind of touched upon this early on. I think the guy for the most part is very likable. He's just very endearing and, you know, he tries to do good even though he's, you know, there's definitely scenes where you could interpret him being a little sketchy or sleazy. But mm-hmm. he's so funny and just like charming. You you can't help but like him. And then with the girl, it's up and down, like we said. But overall, you still root for her. You want him to be with her. So yeah, I I, I like them in the end, and I don't really relate. Yeah, <laughs> I think if I ever encountered a woman like that, I would be like, I'm out. Like, yeah. or don't do that. <laughs> you know? I don't even know if I would even say that. I'd just be like, okay, I'm going to go now. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. That's so funny. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you in terms of likability. I think that they have, they're pretty high in terms of likability. The girl less so at many times. It's a tough job because you still do like her, or I don't know, for me, you still do like her and root for her. And then despite her having so many reasons to not like her, right? Right. I think that's why so many of the critics thought that she was like the winner of the movie, this actress, because Mm. she was able to play this not nice character, but ultimately somehow is likable and Mm -hmm. we're rooting for her and she gets her guy at the end. So yeah, it's a, it's a hard thing to, I think, make happen, but ultimately she is likable. I think because we, we feel her sadness too Mm -hmm. so much. So I think that really, she was able to really kind of portray that character really, really well. Mm Mm-hmm. And the guy, yeah, likable because all the things we've already mentioned. But I think a key thing here is that he's telling the story through his own eyes, right? So mm-hmm. we're already on his side. Yeah, they both. I think he also did a good job of, uh, despite his comedic genius, he's also able to convey. <laughs> comedic genius. Um, wow. Yes. His sorrow. Like he's, you can sense his sadness and his like longing mm. and his desire at the same time, like as their relationship develops and that he wants to, like he says right off the bat, like I want to heal her sorrow. You can mm. sense that in him and you can sense his sorrow and how he feels through a lot of scenes. So I think, yeah, they did an excellent job of um, uh, making you feel that way. Yeah. That's, I, I don't know if I've ever had that feeling. Like, I want to heal this person's sorrow. That's a very, like, I don't know, heavy and meta feeling, I think, to have for someone off the bat. For sure. And it can definitely lead to that whole toxic relationship yes. in itself, which this was. But Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think the guy and the girl stay together? Yeah, I'm going to say yes. They're... Mm-hmm. So I was trying to calculate their ages. So they're only like mid-20s because they were in college, university when they met. And, and then, then like three years pass. Yeah. So they're like mid-20s. So that was the little bit of hesitancy because I was like, oh, they're still like kind of youngish. But mm-hmm. yeah, they, they end up together. Destiny, yeah. all the stuff, all the stuff they've been through together. And now they can move forward. They built, you know, what's the yeah. tagline? Building a bridge for a chance for love or something like that. Oh, is it? <laughs> Yeah, which is, you know, that's a, a okay philosophy for the romantic nature. You know, you got to give yourself an opportunity for that. I think I wrote that down, actually. Um, I think that's one of the, the last lines of the movie is like building a bridge for a chance for love. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is this is very heartfelt. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that they stay together. Uh, the whole bit where they uh, are separated for three years and they found each other. 
mm-hmm. and are willing getting back into this relationship i was like wow that's that's a long time to be apart and to still have such strong feelings for the other person right that's longer than they were together yeah yeah that's a really good point yeah like, i mean you definitely don't feel that it's odd you're like oh they belong together they should mm-hmm. be together at least that's my thoughts there's mm-hmm. Apparently a sequel, right? I have no idea what the plot or what happens in that. Or I did read something very quickly about there being a sequel, but I kind of just skimmed over it. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what it was about. The fact that a sequel exists, they probably broke up. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, you got to keep it interesting. But I'm going to just say they stayed together regardless of that. I like it. I agree. So the music in this movie, there are some notable songs but for some reason, I didn't really pay attention to it. I think because by nature, maybe it's a Korean film. So I was just like, oh, I don't know Korean music. But obviously, Pachelbel's canon. Mm-hmm. Which she didn't play very well in, <laughs> the, in, the, in that scene. But Shaming anyway. her piano skills. Anyway. <laughs> um, and then there's a theme to the song called I Believe, which you hear a few times in the movie. I can kind of imagine it in my head right now. Because I was just, when you said the music in this movie, I was like, what music? What music, there? right? Yeah. But I can I can hear the theme song in my head. I think that's the only thing that stuck out to me. And I, I don't know if there was like Korean pop in the background or just instrumental music. None of it really stood out. But the I Believe was the only thing that I really remember. I think it's sung by a Korean artist and the words I believe are in English. So that's why I caught it. Mm, I didn't even notice that. I think we've tried to talk about this already a little bit, but why do you think this movie crossed over? Like, why is this such a famous, popular movie? It's a good question. I think you alluded to it a little bit earlier when you said there's not really a lot that kind of takes after this movie or that I know Mm -hmm. of in Mm -hmm. terms of rom-coms. It's still a fun rom-com where you root for the couple in the end and just the scenes are unique but ridiculous and I think that that aspect is just like just very feel good in a sense and Mm -hmm. laugh out loud and that's kind of the combo you need to hit at the right time and hit people so yeah yeah maybe it just had like this really lightning in a bottle of a moment where it was a really good movie and I feel like through word of mouth a lot of people watch this movie my social circle is I guess like kind of small like I don't I, I think like a lot of people I know have seen this movie, but maybe they don't. I have, or maybe they didn't see this movie. I'm not really sure. It's not, it's been 20 years. So there's that mm-hmm. also where this movie hasn't really been top of mind, but it's apparently one of the highest grossing Korean films ever, wow. but the, there are actually quite a few adaptations also. So obviously the American version, there's an Indian version, a Chinese version, Filipino and a Nepal version also. So I think maybe because it did so well in Asia, every Asian culture also kind of took this formula and ran with it. Mm-hmm. And thus just everyone was doing it. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know why I'm so fascinated by why this movie. Again, I haven't watched a lot of Korean rom-coms and I'm mm-hmm. sure that there are some great ones out there. But And I had this question too for when we talked about Amelie. Like why this one French film? And I don't really watch a lot of foreign films. So if I've seen it, that means like it's pretty mainstream. So yeah, I don't know. It's I, it's a interesting question for me. Yeah, I I don't know how it compares to others, like you said, but I think it's not surprising that it did well at the same mm. time, right? When so you watch it, you're like, oh, I can. Yeah, I can it's very rewatchable. Like, like it's so fun. Yeah, it is. I remember. I think you said this earlier. You watched it a bunch when it first came out, or in the first mm-hmm. bit with your brother. 
I believe I've watched it a bunch of times because I was like, hey, you guys got to watch this movie. And then I would watch it with people. <laughs> right, right. Do you think this movie's aged well? I know we talked a lot about the problematic parts, but is there anything besides that, that, you know, if this movie were to be made today, what would be done differently? Other than what we talked about with the violence yes. and toxic relationship in that sense, I think it does. You know, technology, like cell phones and mm-hmm. all that, it didn't really take me out of the movie. There was nothing egregious that was like, that's weird or dated, even though right. it's like flip phones, nothing felt strange, so... I think it does hold up. What about you? Yeah, I I agree. Uh, that's why I think I also mentioned at the beginning of this. Like, I didn't feel it doesn't feel like this movie's twenty years old. Hmm. Even like with the fashion, I feel like it was very modern. It, I don't know. I've never been to Seoul before. I've never been to Korea, so I can't really speak to the city itself. But yeah, I actually think this has aged well as well, which yeah. I don't usually say. I think for rom coms. Yeah, nothing in the fashion stood out to me as strange or, or like dated to a certain time period, especially. Mm-hmm. Maybe like his hairstyle. I don't know. Is Maybe. that still a fashion in Korea? I don't know. But even so, it's not. It's... <laughs> I mean, also, there's something to be said about 20 years later, like fashion comes back. So maybe it's back in fashion now, how the 90s are back and everything. Yeah, that could be it. Um, I have been to Korea, but I don't, I can't recall anything that would make me think this was strange. Mm. Yeah, just a huge caveat. It's aged well minus all the problematic parts that we've <laughs> already thoroughly walked through in this movie. Okay, so I have some trivia points here for you. The movie is based on a true story. It was actually based on online stories written by Kim Hosek, and it detailed his relationship with his college girlfriend. And then it eventually became a best-selling book, and then he wrote the script for the film. Uh, My Sassy Girl was the second highest selling Korean film in 2001, and at the time, it was the highest grossing Korean comedy of all time. In 2010, a memorial was made around the tree where the guy and the girl buried a time capsule under it. The memorial is called Time Capsule Park, and it was made in honor of the 10th anniversary of the film. That's pretty cool. I think that just goes to show how much, like, this was a moment in, like, Korean culture. Yeah, how influential it is or impactful. Yeah. Uh, But that's all the interesting to me trivia I found. And you didn't find the spaceship thing. I didn't find the spaceship. I thought you read about interesting trivia. (laughs) This was not on the IMDb page or the Wikipedia page. I bet it is on the IMDb page. (laughs) Maybe in like the reviews, but I didn't see it in the trivia section. I must have read it somewhere. I can't imagine me having read it in like a random review. I'm looking, I'm looking right now. So if you hear <laughs> clicking on this recording, this is why. It's in the IMDb. No, it is? It's in spoilers. Oh, I didn't click on spoilers, I guess. Um, it's the only thing in spoilers. It's There's only like six total things, Michelle. <laughs> I, I clicked on it. It says, after the girl talks to the old man for the last time, as she looks oh. off into the sky, a small UFO hovers across and zips off quickly. It's been said that the UFO was actually a time machine that... Kyung-woo, as an old man, used to revisit his past. The old man also made a brief appearance near the beginning of the film when they meet for the first time. Okay, I clearly did not scroll down to see the spoilers, so you got me there. But um, the beginning of the film, like, on the train? I don't, I don't know. I to probably go look. Yeah, it must be in the train. Maybe he's standing in the subway station or... Interesting. Um, Also, if you're on the IMDb trivia page, if you scroll up, 
I don't know why this trivia points provide latitude and longitude coordinates. Say that one. I was actually about to say the exact coordinates. Um, so random. I have never seen that. I wonder why that whoever wrote this trivia for this movie decided to include coordinates. Figured figure that out. Yeah. I mean, wow. they could have written a lot of things and probably I no would have one would know. taken it as fact. Right. Exactly. But anyway, that's all I got. Um, do you have any last thoughts or last takes before we wrap this up? Um, that's it for me. I think I just, uh, it was fun to rewatch this movie after so long. I remembered actually a lot of it. So it was still enjoyable despite remembering a lot of it. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I don't have anything else new to add either. It was an incredibly fun and enjoyable rewatch 20 years later or at least 15 for me. I don't think I've seen this movie in in years. And having like no context of Korean movies and who these actors are in this movie, like I thoroughly enjoyed it. Usually I kind of want to know a little bit about the movie, but I think going in, you don't really need to know anything about this movie. Yeah, I think if you're willing to sit down and read the subtitles, you'll enjoy this movie. Yeah, it's a fun escape. Mm -hmm. And it's free on YouTube if you haven't seen it. Although if you haven't seen it, I don't know why you'd make it this far into listening to the podcast. Um, but yeah, thanks so much, Justin. This was really, really fun. Yeah, always. And I don't know, is there a third foreign language rom-com that we can find? Unsure. I'll do some digging, but nothing comes up at the top of my mind at the moment. Yeah, I can't think of anything at the moment either. But I'm sure we'll talk again sometime soon. Yeah, for sure. Thanks to all tuning in to another episode of Romcom Weekly. You can follow us on Instagram at Romcom Weekly. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And please let us know what you think of My Sassy Girl. What would you rate this on a scale from 1 to 10? And we'll chat with you again next week. Bye.